0: Welcome to the latest Buff Zone podcast. I'm Brian Howell and pleased to be joined by my colleague Pat Rooney. Pat, how you doing?
1: Doing good, Mr. Howell. How are you? Full of the holiday spirit.
0: Uh yeah. Getting there. <laughs> I'll feel it more <laughs> uh you know as we get closer to the holidays and, and the recruiting season is over for football, which we'll get into here in a little bit, but we want to talk more basketball. But I hope you and your family are doing well. As you prepare uh, for the holidays, I'm sure your girls are excited.
1: They're at a good age for it. It's fun right now. So uh, definitely looking forward to it, but uh, working through uh, basketball, the team will be off. I'll still be putting out stuff uh, while they are off after the non-conference finale for the men's and women's on Thursday. Women take on Northern Colorado, I believe it's at noon. I should double check this, but um, I believe it starts at noon, and then the men later that afternoon at five against Utah Tech to close out the uh, non-conference schedule for both teams. Uh, been solid run through non-conference play for both squads, and should be a very intriguing Pac-12 schedule. Last time through the Pac-12 that starts at the end of next week.
0: Yeah, for sure, uh, the Pac-12 is going to be fun, and I think. Uh, We'll do another podcast, uh, you know, previewing kind of the Pac-12 stuff. But um, as they wrap up non-conference play, it's hard to complain too much about either team. I mean, there's you you can look at the men and say, you know, that Florida State game is kind of uh, kind of frustrating, and you always want to beat you know Colorado State, but um, eight and two right now, and uh, you know they're getting ready to take on uh, um, who they have. You just mentioned Utah Tech. Uh, to rack up, wrap up um, non-conference plays. So 8-2, and two, the women are 9-1. and one. I mean, it's really hard to complain too much about how the non-conference has gone for either team. And uh, let's start with the men because they bring a three-game winning streak uh, into this game against Utah Tech. Uh, they've really done a nice job uh, bouncing back from that CSU game that was a very entertaining basketball game, a frustrating loss, but uh, they've come back with three pretty strong efforts since then.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's the kind of way you want to respond. Uh, And especially we haven't done one of these podcasts uh, since, you know, especially getting that win in Brooklyn against Miami. Uh, uh, That's uh, that's finally the sort of win that has a little bit of legs to it in the non-conference schedule. You know, the loss to Colorado State, certainly that stings. Uh, But, you know, I think when it's all said and done, we're not going to be looking at that as a bad loss. Florida State was a bad loss. Uh, They kind of reeled off a losing streak right after defeating the Buffaloes. Uh, So they're not doing CU any favors in in the net rankings early on. Um, But for the best part, they've responded uh, the way you'd like to after a rivalry loss. We saw up at Colorado State took care of business against Pepperdine and really, I think, played their best game of the year at in Brooklyn against Miami. Um, you know, considering the quality of the opponent, uh, considering they finally had a really good showing away from home um, after kind of you know having their moments uh, in the tournament in Florida, uh, and they played strong in the second half at Colorado State, but obviously were undone by a really bad first half. But to really put it together away from home against Miami, to win going away against a quality team like that, I think that's what you really wanted to see out of this team uh, going into Pac-12 play. Obviously, as we talk here. Uh, you'd expect them to take care of business against Utah Tech. Uh, and then it should be a you know pretty interesting – honestly, it should be a pretty interesting opener against Washington uh, next week, next Friday, the 29th. Um, Washington knocked off Gonzaga last week. Uh, then they turned around and needed double overtime to, to beat Seattle. But uh, Washington's played pretty well so far in non-conference play, and they have a very quality win under their belt. Uh, and uh, you know, much like the women's team getting off to a good start at home, uh, will be key for both these teams as they, you know, try to make noise and pack 12 play.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that, that Florida state loss, uh, you know, Florida state came in, you know, preseason uh, number 11 in the ACC. So not projected to do well, but it would really help the buffs. If uh, Florida state could do some damage in the ACC and help out the buffs there. But, um, you know, you're right about, uh, it's been a good non-conference so far, um, and especially at home. I mean, six and zero at home. We expect them to be seven and zero after that Utah Tech game. But um, some individuals. I mean, you've written about it, but you know, KJ Simpson um, has been you know really phenomenal in the in the uh, non conference so far. And you know, Tristan De Silva was kind of that uh, player of the year candidate that people talked about. But um, KJ Simpson might be uh, the the team MVP right now.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I wrote a little bit about that subject in this week's extra points column, and uh, he's been spectacular. You know, he had a bad game against Florida State where he kind of reverted to, you know, maybe trying to force some things and, uh, you know, taking too many shots. You know, he he had, I think it was five for 22 finish to that game. Some of those shots, you know, the total got bloated a little bit at the end as they were just trying to, to furiously come back, but... Certainly wasn't one of his best games, but when I look at that game now, I still see a guy that grabbed a season-high nine rebounds in that game. I uh, had three assists against all – you know, it was a bad turnover game for the Buffs in that one had a, a season-high 20 and uh, matched their kind of regulation. That game went in overtime, so that padded that a little bit, but they matched their regulation high for the year as well. So it was a bad turnover game for the team. Uh, But it wasn't for K.J. Simpson, obviously the primary ball handler, and he only had uh, one turnover in that game. You know, for me, the two things that have stood out the most with Simpson so far this year is that three-point percentage. (laughs) Right now it's at 46%. Uh, You know, certainly think that will come down a little bit in in Pac-12 play, but he's really shooting the ball well. And then the assisted turnover rates. Uh, It's around 3-5 at this point, 44 assists against 14 turnovers. I think coming into the year, those are the two stats you would look at for K.J. Simpson and say, hey, he needs to be better at these two areas. Uh, not only has he been better, but he's been spectacular, both of them. He's playing pretty good defense as well.
0: Yeah, and you, know, you I think you know when you, when you look at this men's team, they're getting really good contributions from the people that you expected to get good contributions from, right? I mean, not only K.J., Tristan, uh, Cody Williams has been spectacular when he's been healthy, uh, you know, especially lately. Julian Hammond, Javon Hadley, Lampkin, you know, Luke O'Brien. I mean, all those guys. That's who you expected to kind of lead this team, and they've played pretty well.
1: And you know, if uh, I've mentioned this at one point in recent weeks, so if if Luke O'Brien and Julian Hammond are are consistently knocking down shots from long range and it doesn't even have to be the both of them in the same game <laughs> it could be one of them on, on any given night but if if one of those two is coming off the bench and and knocking down shots this team is gonna be really hard to guard throughout the season um you know with the, the and right now the move to the five out offensive approach by you know head coach tad boyle and his staff right now looks like a stroke of genius uh It'll look even better when they get Cody Williams back in there. That's obviously something we have to keep an eye on going forward. Um, but the shift of offense has, has worked wonder so far. Um, you know, it's been, at times it's been fun to watch. And even some of Ted Boyle's good teams, sometimes you didn't always say that game to game um, with, with some of their offensive execution. Uh, but right now they're playing a fun band of bra- band, brand of basketball, easy for me to say, Uh, Really sharing the ball well, Uh, you know, putting up 20 assists has become a matter of routine. I know the competition hasn't been that great yet, you know, particularly at home. Uh, But you know what? They weren't putting up 20 assists a game last year uh, against similar opponents at home. So uh, I think it's been impressive the way they're sharing the ball, and I think that sort of approach bodes well not only for this personnel, uh, but for their potential for what they can do going into the Pac-12.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at the stat sheet right now, and and the thing that jumps out at me as I'm I'm looking at this right now, the top six guys as far as minutes played per game are all shooting at least 50% from the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, obviously that goes hand-in-hand with the assists. You don't get assists if you don't make shots, but that's impressive to me. And again, you can point to the competition, but uh, I'm not sure there's probably ever been a time that through 10 games they've had that many guys shooting 50%. I mean, guys are hitting shots. They're taking good shots and hitting good shots.
1: That's one thing Tad Boyle mentioned to me this week is, uh, you know, he feels like this team's taking good shots. There's not a lot of uh, lecturing going on in the film sessions about the uh, quality and and type of shots they're taking. And look at the shots they are getting, though. You know, look at the the highlight reel from the Miami game. It's all cuts to the basket and nice passes, and then layups. Back cut, layup. You know, back cut, easy, hoop. Uh, you know, easy bucket near the hoop. I mean, they're 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 getting really good looks. They're getting high percentage shots, uh, and and they're all being threats. You know, last year with uh, Lawson Lovering in the post, and it's you know certainly not to pick on Lawson Lovering, but he was not an offensive threat whatsoever. At at times, Javon Hadley wasn't either. Um, you know, and and, and part of that's because he didn't really, there wasn't a lot of room to operate right, when teams could sag off of lovering in the post and kind of devote that attention elsewhere. They could clog up lanes more easily. they could take away passing lanes more easily. Uh, this year with this approach um and and, and getting guys move in and, and moving off the ball and back cutting, uh, they're versatile athletes and they're long and right now they're executing it to perfection.
0: Yeah, they really are. They're they're looking really good right now. Um, and, and I know the question on a lot of uh, fans' mind is, uh, what's up with Cody Williams, and um, any indication as to when he will be back?
1: Yeah, I think he will be back for you know. I'm not. I don't know that he'll be back for that Washington series, but I would be surprised if it was much longer term than that. Um, you know, by all indications, it's a minor. I don't expect to see him on Thursday. Uh, there, there's zero sense to, to rush him back for Utah tech. Uh, but I think we'll see him sooner than later. If not that Washington game, uh, weekend against Washington, Washington state to open pack 12 play, uh, then, you know, I would, I would be surprised if we didn't see him at Arizona on the fourth.
0: Yeah. Well, they played well with Adam, but they're much better, um, I think with him. And so it'll be exciting to get him back, but, um, anything else? Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I'm I'm sorry, he was just really coming on, too. I think that's what maybe the the one frustrating part of it is he's coming off consecutive 21-point games. One of those was at Colorado State when he did it all in the second half. You know, he was really looking comfortable and, and more confident out there, kind of settling into the college game. Um, they're going to need that. They're going to need him to get back to that point uh, if this team wants to make a run in the Pac-12 and, and toward an NCAA tourney berth.
0: Yeah, I think probably at halftime of that game, people were wondering where he was. And then the yeah, sticking half, like, yeah. there he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. He, he's pretty good. But um, anything else with the men's team before we move on, and talk No.
1: About no, just, uh, you know, Thursday night against Utah Tech. And then, you know, definitely looking for that opener against Washington, the Pac 12 opener, I should say, on December 29th. Shaping up to be a much bigger game than it might have looked like, looked like at the outset of the season. So um, definitely looking forward to, to getting the final run through Pac 12 going.
0: Yeah, and you know, as far as the women go, um, a noon game on Thursday, uh, another weird game time for them. I mean, they've they've had a lot of them lately. I mean, they played Air Force at one p.m., UT Arlington at eleven, and then they got UNC at noon. And then uh, a week uh, a week from now, a little more than a week, uh, they play Utah in the opener at one o'clock. So no night games over a four game stretch, which is kind of weird. And uh, for this team, that's kind of unfortunate uh, to play on a Thursday at noon. Uh, at home i mean i know it's a double header but um they're not going to get as many many people in the seats as this team probably deserves um on thursday against unc but um i guess that's the way the schedule goes
1: yeah i don't know why they couldn't have
0: lobbied for
1: a regular double header that maybe started in the late afternoon evening and have the men and women play back to back uh you know it's break it's probably going to be tough to get a lot of bodies in the arena for either game as it is um uh, so why they couldn't have done Nats is you know it seems uh you know th- this seems a little rough like you're saying to, to have the, the women play at noon but nonetheless another team that looking to wrap up non-conference play on on a high note and uh they also get no uh breaks stepping in their pac 12 opener next week also at home against utah
0: yeah. And, or, you know, it could have been a Wednesday night game actually going back to that, but you know, I, I don't right. know why it's at noon on Thursday, but um, either way. Um, yeah. Th- they've played really well. Um, obviously the one loss uh, was to NC state, which um, unranked to start the year, but NC state is um, one of the best teams in the country as are proving so far uh, this season. They were number 10 at the time. Um, I don't know where they are this week. I think they're number three. Um,
1: they're up to three this week. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, not a bad loss, even though they didn't play very well. But uh, this team, um, they I feel like they've kind of gotten a little disjointed in their last few games. It hasn't been as crisp, but um, I think they're showing a little bit of fatigue from um, a lot of games in a short amount of time in that first month. Um, whereas uh, this UNC game will be their first game in 16 days, which is, uh, you know, just that's a break you don't see in the regular season very often. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they look like. Um, having a 16-day break like that.
1: Keeping sharp at this time of year is always tough with finals and uh, kind of the disjointed schedule. Uh, And as you just alluded to, the women have had uh, that even worse with the men as far as just slowing down the schedule a little bit. Um, But uh, another opportunity, you know, a, a similar situation, I think, is the men going into Thursday's game. You know, I think the idea is to stay sharp, play your game, uh, play Colorado basketball, and go into you know a, a few days off with a little bit of momentum, um, certainly trying to feel good about yourselves to, to turn around and you know face Utah in that Pac-12 opener. I feel like in the Pac-12 this year on the women's side, that holding serve at home is, I mean, you always wanted to do that anyway, right? But I think with how strong this conference is, uh, that's going to be critical to any run at a potential conference championship uh, for the Buffs. You know, I think you know. I think everyone's pretty confident they're going to make a run at the at an NCAA tournament berth again. But in terms of competing for that Pac-12 title in a crowded top part of the Pac-12, uh, I think holding serve at home and, and and picking up these wins at home is going to be paramount to making any kind of conference run like that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's crazy because uh, being in the Pac-12. Uh, I don't think there's ever been a year that I would say the Buffs should aim for or even expect to be undefeated at home, just because the Pac-12 is always so loaded and it's loaded again. But Colorado is so good that you almost need to aim for that, right? I mean, even yeah. though that home schedule includes Utah, which is number eleven, and Stanford, which is right behind the Buffs at number nine, uh, followed by UCLA, who I mean, this is this their first. Uh, let's see, is it their first four? Four of their first five home games, Pat, are against Utah, Stanford, UCLA, and USC that are all top 11 teams in the country. So (laughs) that's not an easy uh, home schedule, but um, if you can get through that undefeated or even with one loss, uh, you got a potential uh, league championship season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think even if you survive that with one loss, I think you're still certainly in the mix because you know what? All those other teams have to do the same thing as well. Uh, going against each other, you know. I, I don't think anyone's running the table in the Pac-12 this year, um, and those are the top eleven. You know, Washington's ranked. Washington State is just outside the rankings, so uh, it doesn't end with those. You know, five of the top eleven this week uh, in the women's top twenty-five are from the Pac-12, uh, and then you've got Washington. I believe is at twenty-three, and Washington State uh, among the, the the top other vote getters. Um, you know, down down in the pack, so. Uh certainly not gonna be too many easy weekends in the Pac twelve and uh uh picking up those wins at home, you know, like I said, it's it's gonna be you get into the end of the season and you are needing to get especially multiple wins on the road. Uh I think you're just gonna be asking a lot of your team uh in this conference this year. So so, yeah, tough tough opener, but it should be fun for fans. There's a lot of great games out of the gate for the, the women at home in Pac-12 play, and, you know, I think if they, they, they fare well in that, they'll at least set the stage for being in this race for the long haul.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I'm looking through uh, their schedule, and I'm like, oh, when is the stretch where the schedule kind of eases up and there isn't one, <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they've they've already passed that stretch. I mean, they're, they're, well, they're in the middle of it right now. Um, but as far as pacto play, there is no, no easy stretch, but uh, they're going to have to play well, obviously. And um, you know, they've been playing well. Uh, they've got a lot of really good players and veteran players that that are stepping up and, you know, same as the men. I mean, we talked about, um, they're getting contributions from uh, on the men's side uh, from all the players you expected. Well, the women are doing the same thing. I mean, uh, Frida Foreman, Aaron Ley, Jalen Sherrod, Quay Miller, Kenda Weta, um, on and on and on. They're all playing kind of like you expect them to play, and they need to keep that up if they're going to you know make a run at the league title.
1: Yeah, you know, again, as we talk about the men's team, uh, this, it's, it's a balanced group, and it's the sort of group that can uh, – you know, maybe survive an off night by a clay Miller or an off night for Jalen Sherrod and someone like Treda Foreman will have a big night or one of the two new transfers stepping into the rotation this year. Uh, they have a lot of weapons at their disposal. And again, you know, pretty similar to the men, uh, they share the ball. Well, it's kind of one of those teams that it doesn't matter who gets the job done on a given night, but you have confidence that someone, uh, will, will step up and do that. So fun team to watch. And, uh, like I said, uh, you know, to you a few minutes ago, if uh, if you're a fan of the team, it doesn't get any better than the teams coming through the event center here uh, over the next month.
0: Yeah. And even UNC, I mean, it's a local matchup. And so you know, it may not be that that marquee team. But, um, you know, Thursday at noon, I don't know how many people are off of work. I'll be there. Cause that is my work, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to join me there, but uh, that'll be a fun one on a Thursday afternoon. So um, a, a fun double header uh, coming up on Thursday and uh, you know, Pat, let's shift real quick. i uh, talk about football because uh, national signing day is on Wednesday and uh, you know, not, there's gonna be some, but you know, not a ton high school wise, but uh, the big deal I think on, on signing day on Wednesday is going to be, getting a signature from Jordan Seton and making that uh, official and hopefully no other team uh, poaches him from the Buffs between now and signing day tomorrow.
1: Yeah, certainly getting his name on the dotted line is uh, certainly going to be the highlight of the day. You know, I wrote about this a little bit the other day. Uh, It's just interesting in the uh, current landscape of college football, how signing day has become, I don't know, maybe you feel differently. You're, you're in the middle of it. just a little bit more than I am, but uh, it's just been greatly diminished. I think the impact and the kind of uh, you know, the hype surrounding it, you know, it's always been kind of this uh, this off season celebration for college football fans and to follow what your team is doing and who's coming in and, and all that good stuff. But anymore it's all about the transfer portal and who you're getting in on the fly and, uh, who's committing through the portal more so than uh, the prep recruit signing day? It's just, it's. I don't, you know, I, I'm neither here nor there about whether it's good or bad. It's, I, I'm indifferent, but it's just been interesting to observe this kind of sea change in, in college football that I think is really, you know, maybe taking some of the in- impact out of signing day.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case at CU. I don't know if that's the case all around the country because there are some schools that um, they're going to build more through, you know, the high school ranks. But certainly at CU under Coach Prime, it definitely feels that way because of the transfer portal is the bigger deal right now. But if you are going to add a Jordan Seaton or uh, you know other four stars and five stars, that certainly makes it you know exciting as well. And the other thing with Coach Prime is uh, you know he didn't do a, a press conference last year and uh, doesn't look like he's going to do one this year, and so that kind of makes the day um you know a little quieter for for those of us covering it but um it's certainly not what it was in the past but it's still a big time right now for the buffs and um it's it's interesting watching the roster of makeover once again
1: and to touch on that a minute before we're out of here what's been some of your early reaction to uh the new acquisitions in in the transfer portal a few offensive linemen uh, got a big defensive tackle commit just the other day as, as we're talking now. Um, and even actually some quarterback depth. Um, uh, what What's been your take so far on some of the uh, holes or you know depth issues that have been addressed so far with the portal work?
0: Well, first thing I would say is, you know buff fans hold your breath until these kids are in school because as we saw yesterday, uh, you know, literally at the same time that uh, Chidozi, Wong, who was, uh, was committing from Houston, Matthew Bedford uh, was decommitting from Indiana. Uh, not, he's from Indiana, decommitting from the Buffs and uh, and announcing he's going to go to Oregon instead. So until these transfers are actually in school, uh, then you don't know for sure if they're going to come here and you know schools can still poach them away. So the first thing is hold your breath and uh, see if these guys get here. But if these guys actually come here, I I like what they've done. I mean, there's 15 guys that they're filling a lot of needs. Uh, It was five offensive linemen, now it's four. Uh, But obviously, offensive line was a huge deal. Uh, Defensive line's a huge deal. They got three of those guys that are coming in here. And I think the quarterback room looks better. I mean, last year, it was Shador Sanders and two true freshmen that were on scholarship. Now, you have Shador Sanders. You have a couple of uh, guys that have been in the SEC for a couple years, even though they haven't played a ton. And then as of right now, you have Ryan Staub as well. Uh, So it's a much better quarterback room as well, which they need that if Shador Sanders is not going to be able to make it through uh, a season, uh, you know, if he gets banged up like he did this last year. So I like what they've done.
1: Certainly a good start. I'd like to see more offensive line depth get in here, but it's hard to quibble. uh, You know, the portal hasn't been open that long and they've certainly addressed some needs. So certainly off to a good start. And, uh, you know, almost like this time last year, Still, just real curious to see what this roster is going to look like by the time we get to spring practice.
0: Yeah, and then even then, what this roster looks like when, by the time we get to fall practice, because right, right. <laughs> um, as we've seen, uh, whatever's there in spring may not be there in the fall uh, with Coach Prime. Now, I, I think it'll be more stable this off season uh, than it was last off season, but um, you know, certainly, this is the way Coach Prime wants to build this team, and uh, you know, they've done it, and. I mean, one of the highlights, obviously, is Will Shepard, the wide receiver from Vanderbilt. He led them in receiving the last two years. That's a really nice replacement for Xavier Weaver. So um, I like what they've yeah, done. And
1: Like, you know, when when this first wave kind of came through, he certainly was one that jumped out at me as as someone that can be a difference maker for sure.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, going forward. Lots of basketball, uh, you know, Pac-12. You know, it's sort of a slow time uh, in in basketball um, as well as football, but uh, Pac-12 season coming up around the corner. We'll talk more about it uh, coming up. But uh, Pat, anything else before we get out of here?
1: Nah, just if, uh, for the folks listening out there, enjoy your holidays. We'll try to maybe do this again after the holiday, but maybe ahead of uh, the big start to, to Pac-12 play at the end of next week. So it's uh, the end of the year. We always, I uh, mean, you know, I think I can speak. For, I think I can speak for Brian on this one. But we appreciate all the the support and, and readership and viewership and, and listening to these podcasts throughout the years uh certainly appreciated by the both of us.
0: Yeah, I guess I can appreciate it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well my, my partner the Grinch here. Um but
0: <laughs> Happy holidays to you. you know, I do I do very much appreciate it. And obviously, uh, you know, without all that readership, then uh you know, I don't think you and I, you know, would be needed much uh, yeah, by our employers. So us.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't need us to do these podcasts so. no they would not
0: so I definitely appreciate it and you know pat happy happy holidays to you and your family
1: thanks Brian you too uh will we'll do this again after the holidays folks and as always thanks for listening.